This episode is sponsored by Aura. Every once in a while, a product comes along that changes everything. And that product is Aura. Aura is an easy-to-use app that includes everything families need to protect their identities, money, passwords, devices, and more. It's really easy to set up and has everything you need. So you don't have to download seven separate apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, ID theft, and transaction monitoring, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. What makes Aura different, you say? It's simple to set up. It protects against today's and tomorrow's threats, and with parental controls to let your kids explore the internet safely, filter harmful sites, apps, and manage screen time easily. Online safety for today's digital safety. It's tech that grows with you and your family. Browse safely, surf smartly, Aura comes packed with all the tools you need to protect you and your family from the online threats you can't see. Our listeners will get a 14-day free trial of Aura for individuals, couples, or their family by going to Aura.com potential. That's Aura, spelled A-U-R-A, dot com slash potential. Once again, get your first 14-day free trial of Aura by going to Aura.com potential. Protect what's important. Proactive protection for your assets, identity, family, and tech across every device. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello, welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Joel Maya is my co-host and fellow Spider-Man, Chris Tour. Today's episode, we're reviewing the new computer animated superhero film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, this is featuring the character of Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man. And this is the sequel to the 2018 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So... Very, very excited about this movie. I think first one came out crazy, huge. It was just very, very big game changer for both Spider-Man movies, but also animation. It was just incredible. A lot of fond memories with that. And so I know myself and Chris Hugh, both very excited in anticipation of this. Not only is this going to be a sequel, but part one of a two-part sequel. So pretty amazing stuff. Uh, now, we will be talking about this movie in depth, so this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Um, so if you have not watched Cross Spider-Verse and you don't want to be spoiled, stop now. Come back later. So Chris, uh, give us a brief synopsis of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So it's been a little while since the events of Into the Spider-Verse. And again, that film heavily involved a group of multiple spider men and women uh, across different dimensions who came together to defeat Kingpin and his goons while this collider was going on. And Miles is now Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And he's enjoying the life of, you know, protecting the city. But he does miss Gwen Stacy quite a bit. I mean, to the point where he's drawing her all the time in his book. And he's just missing Peter Parker, the one that kind of taught him, gave, show him the ropes. He's missing that kind of adventure with all the spider 
people, if you will. And a new threat emerges, and Gwen Stacy actually does show up. And they end up traveling into the multiverse, where he teams up with this leader, Miguel O'Hara, who's known as Spider-Man 2099, as they have to handle this new conflict. And that first film was a kind of surprise hit. I think a lot of people, you know, we had had so many live-action Spider-Man films. Now, DC's done, like, a ton of these, like, animated superhero films. Oh, for quite a while now, yeah. Marvel's had a bunch, but they've never been, like, straight to theater. You know, they've always been, like, these kind of Disney Plus or, like, you know, you buy the DVD. (laughs) So for them to have this big budget kind of animated style Miles Morales story, which, you know, if you've been playing the video games, you kind of know a little bit Miles Morales, but a lot of people don't, we haven't had Miles Morales show up in live action yet. That film was a blast. I mean, obviously the animation style alone was so crazy. It won best animated picture at the Oscars. And it's something that people have been hungry for uh, since. And I think because it's animated, there's actually a lot of stuff you can do in it that would be very expensive to do in live action. So perhaps this is the best way to tell this story is for animation. So yes, we knew we were going to get this two-parter. And then they had a, instead of having a part one and part two, they just have two different titles. So this is Across the Spider-Verse, which is going to lead into Beyond Spider-Verse Part 3, which will come out in March of next year. But the trailers alone, we were very excited because we knew that we're going to be traveling to multiple dimensions. And there was going to be even more Spider-Men than there was in the first. And when I say the first movie had, I think including uh, two different versions of Peter Parker, there was like seven, I think, total, if you include Miles. This has about 6,000. Like, I mean, they... How many Spider-People can you fit in one screen? (laughs) They go nuts. Um, I did like the, the film starts off with, we get more backstory to Gwen Stacy. We know Gwen Stacy from some of the live action stuff, obviously uh, more heavy in Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield uh, and Emma Stone. We get more of that backstory, but, you know, we've never had Gwen actually be Spider-Woman. So from the first film, this kind of gives her backstory of how how she kind of left off and the death of her Peter Parker, which I thought that was a kind of pretty kind of in- interesting holy. idea. Kind of yeah. making almost, even though it's Miles Morales' story, this almost this was almost about do you watch this through Gwen Stacy's kind of point of view? Because she's almost kind of the main character of this one. Um, in terms of I think she was kind of more of a side character, and the other one, she definitely takes more center stage as well. Yeah, she's definitely the other lead, if you will. And she's had a tough life too. I mean. Her dad is in the police force and he thinks that Spider-Woman killed Peter Parker, which Peter Parker was Gwen Stacy's best friend. They do this whole cool scene where the backstory you see is that Peter Parker took what looks like Lizard's formula. And again, I, I love the visual nature of it's not just lizard. It's a giant lizard. You yeah. know, just like we saw a giant, we saw a giant green goblin in the first film. This is a giant lizard. So at one point he gets, you know, hit by a pole and he dies. But there's this tension that Gwen Stacy has to live this secret life from her own dad. Yeah. Who's hunting her this whole time? When the whole collider went off in the first film, 
it did end up leaving these holes. And so we do have this new villain spot who uh, was one of the scientists who <laughs> I love how they kind of, they kind of connected in a way of he was one that Miles Morales set with the bagel in <laughs> the first film. Yes. Um, but the collider ended up turning him into this being where He's completely fully white body, no hair, no skin or anything. That is his skin. And he has these black spots. And he's allowed to kind of go through space and time in a way where he can, you know, if he puts it puts a spot on his body, he also can reach his arm into a bank, you know, all yeah. kinds of fun devices where at first it's simple things where he's kind of doing simple theft. And we have a great fight with Miles Morales where you kind of get, oh, this is our bad guy, but he he's treating him like he's a low level tier villain. Yeah. Whereas the, 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 in terms of just the way that this movie starts off with animation, we get this big fight scene with a vulture from the Renaissance, a, like Renaissance dimension. The animation style of this vulture was insane. I mean, it looked like a sketch painting from the Renaissance, like that kind of, Kind of brown, you know, and beige. Yeah, when you um, look at the old faded, like, uh, like Da Vinci's original, like design plants and yeah. stuff on that parchment. Oh, it's like incredible. I was like, what is going on here? But he was intense. I mean, he had such cool devices. This is much more of an, a, a crazy vulture. <laughs> and so we get, you know, introduced to Miguel O'Hara, who's like, there's cracks in the in the code, and Gwen has to make that decision to leave her dad and leave this world that she's from to go help. The, the spider society and that was such a cool fight scene i was already impressed and amazed with again you're having different spider people from different dimensions in one fight and i mean you got to give it to spider-man 2099 is badass i mean <laughs> yeah. you know this guy's got like laser web um he's just very brutal and he's like wolverine likes a, cl- a shorter yeah. uh, claws on this side and he's like part vampire or something like that, which we're, we we don't fully get explained in this film. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah. We explain more. We'll get more to Miguel a little later. But uh, that was just a great, awesome fight scene. And with Miles again treating this guy like it's nothing. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman to play Spot, who was perfect <laughs> so for great. the voicing. Yeah, because he does come off like a nerdy, like he wants to prove himself that he is top notch film. And what I thought this film did exceedingly well that was very evident in the first film but even more in this yes this is a comic book movie and yes there's a lot of great action but there's a lot about family there's a lot of just scenes of, of just him and his parents he's still dealing with being a 15 year old teenager who his parents were the best for him you know he is a gifted student obviously coming from probably a little lower you know income area and so it's like He's also dealing with, like, do I even belong? We don't have a lot of scenes with him at school. No, uh, not, you know, this, not this. A um, couple times, he, him and his roommate, but that's about it. But just dealing with, you know, his father's becoming captain. It's a big deal. And he's his mindset is all about being Spider-Man. And it's kind of distracting him from what this threat is going to become. Because Spot is is going to become the biggest problem he's ever faced. Well, speaking of family, I think you nailed that on the head. Also, more specifically about family, is the father figure element. Because obviously, Miles' father, Miguel Herrera was a father. 
Um, you got Peter B. Parker, who's so got Jake Johnson back, uh, carrying this big pink puffy coat <laughs> and sporting now uh, a baby. And so he made up with MJ in, in his universe. And so, yeah, there's all these father figures and you kind of see the, you know, not only the sins of the father, but also just that, that familial connection between the father and his child and with yeah, and Gwen Stacy and her dad. So it's a really huge element in this one where the first one has some emotional moments, this one right in the feels. <laughs> and, you know, they, they're trying the best for him, but they could tell he's distracted and, and because Gwen is part of the spire society where they have these they have these wristbands where they can travel through different dimensions she goes to visit miles and they're having this big party for miles dad to become captain and you know gwen shows up and the mom is so funny of being like you know hey there hi i'm his mom yeah don't take it from me i'm just kidding like just such a funny dialogue because it's that it is at that point in the life where she's realizing my son is is grown up. He's gonna be a man soon, and I have to let him go. And that struggle of what parents go through—that they're still protective of their child, letting go, yeah. But letting him spread his wings, and that was a funny scene too, where um, Miles is, you know, dealing with this battle with Spot, and his dad comes along with some great kind of physical humor there. And once they think they've defeated him. This doll, he's like, you know, so uh, how's your son been? And he's like, you know, I just don't know. I was like, I think man's just uh, spread his wings and fly. Like he, you know, obviously that great. We love income of books when no one realizes it's Miles Morales yet. So oh, they, yeah, they're, oh, they're changing their voice and like it's like they changing their voice a little yeah. bit. And <laughs> Gwen Stacy would do the same with her dad, like talk a little lower. But Spot actually, we find out. Um, he kind of goes into himself and becomes this weird interdimensional being where his spots allow him to go to any universe. And we do get this great moment where he, he goes into one and <laughs> it's the venom world. So we didn't get a cameo of venom. I thought we might, which would have been great, but we do have the, the little lady at the, you know, convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she's not having it. She's like, he's like, you're acting like you've seen stuff like this before. And she's like, what do you want? You know, <laughs> And then he goes to like, goes to like a Lego world, which was, that was hilarious. And we get little references like the, it's the audio from the original Spider-Man when he's J. Jonah Jameson Parker, you know, and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is okay. We kind of hinted in a few universes, but the animation style, very similar, but now we're not only getting animation, we're getting live action references. We're getting like kind of claymation style with the Lego. I mean, this, this literally has everything. I mean, in that vulture scene. Even Miguel O'Hara goes, he's like, I didn't even want to get into it about Doctor Strange and, and Peter. Yes. You know, on, on Earth, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That is our live action world. So they're not only referencing different dimensions. It's very self-aware. It's like almost it's self-aware yeah. of of the Spider-Man story. And that's going to really play a part once we get into kind of the next big chunk. But so this this spot is now going to be popping up in multiple worlds and this is going to be a huge problem. And Gwen has to kind of make that decision of, you know, I need to go back and, and help Miguel and my friends with the situation. And Miles is like, I'm coming along and he's invisible. So he's seen all this stuff kind of go down. He's like, screw it. I'm out. He goes in. And the first place we go to is this great place called Mumbatan. And it's like yeah. a, it's like a futuristic 
India that is like a huge metropolitan place. And this was already, again, like a visual place where you're just like, wow. Like, it's one of those, like, you know, thinking of the, the, the cities of the future where we have skyscrapers now, but imagine an entire city that is probably, you it's know. The skyscraper to skyscraper. Skyscrapers everywhere. Just so much going on. And we get to meet our first kind of new Spider-Man character, Pavitar Prabhakar, who is uh, is like the India Spider-Man. And this guy was awesome. I mean... If you've seen the Deadpool movies, yeah, he, was the, he was <laughs> the taxi cab driver and the who voices him. And how about a Chris it, High Five? <laughs> it was really cool how they did his animation style and even like his fighting style. Um, yeah. I read that you know they they studied a certain style of um, fighting stance that is from India culture for a lot of his movements, and he has this cool like. It's not a yo-yo, obviously. It's something like that. That is probably some Indian device. But, I mean, they were really specific with his stuff. But then also this humor as well, where he, you know, he has, like, a girlfriend. Super happy-go-lucky, like, never had tragedy befall him. Like, everything is great. Yeah. And this spot is obviously causing a bunch of stuff going on. And this is where we start to learn that in every Spider-Man story, there is meant to be a death. There's meant to be something that happens, and that's part of the Spider-Man story, and that is not supposed to be changed. That is not supposed to be altered, and if it is altered, it could be that could be like devastating for the uh, that dimension itself. Which is one of the first big surprises of this movie that I was like, okay, because obviously I thought that trope was already taken when he lost his uncle Aaron in the first one. So okay, but I was like, no, it's you lose a you lose an uncle. But also a police chief or captain, police captain. So it's like the Spider-Man tropes again, the self-reference stuff that they're really leaning into. Like this is just the trope of all Spider-Man that has to happen. That, that's supposed to happen. And in this India Mumbatan area, it is his girlfriend's dad who's meant to, at this one point, you know, who is saving this little girl, and so that all breaks the canon of that story and now things are starting to happen where devastation is happening yeah and so they are now transported to what is like this it's called nueva nueva york and it's like a futuristic new york and it's just like beautiful it's like skyscrapers it's that kind of future where we see a ton of greenery there's no like bad air there's no just like yeah. trash it just looks nice and this is the headquarters of the Spire Society. And this is where we meet a gazillion spider people. And, <laughs> and we this was just eye candy. This was just like, you're just, you're just watching, you're like, there's Easter eggs. There's just, like, it's like I you're going to recognize. You, I want to rewind, pause. You, like, you want to pause it because it's just, you're trying to look at everything, but there's a plot going on here. <laughs> well, this is where it'd be like worth going back to like watch yes. again, just to see, you know, the different versions. Because you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, we got... So, I mean, of the few that we have that are kind of more mainstay characters, if you will, um, obviously it was great to have Daniel Kuyo who plays uh, Hobie, who is Spider-Punk. Yes. The animation of him alone was so cool because his his animation keeps, like, changing colors, and there's, like, words on his face. Yeah. And he looks he, like a, almost like paper. Know, he looks like, like a British thin. punk he looks rock almost like paper Spider-Man, thin. like spiky hair yeah. or spikes. Issa Rae playing Jessica Drew, who's also a Spider-Woman, who is pregnant. I thought that was funny. 
uh, and she's on a motorcycle. Um, and she was kind of more like a second hand to Miguel O'Hara. Um, obviously, Miguel O'Hara, Oscar Isaac playing Spider Man 2099, who uh, is kind of like our intense leader of uh, this group. And then I guess, you know, he was kind of more featured in a way, but we do have uh, Andy Sandberg as Ben Riley, who's a Scarlet Spider, who um, was hilarious just to hear because Andy was kind of doing his. Uh, Kind of his cop voice from, you know, oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm dramatic. Brooklyn Nine, uh, which was hilarious. So, yeah, um, but we see all these Spider People, and I mean, you got like the video game Spider Man. You got like the classic animation Spider Man. I mean, you got all kinds. And it was kind of cool. They have these little kind of prison cells, and we got our first kind of like. Huh? kind of cameo where we get Donald Glover as the Prowler. Yeah. Now, Donald Glover obviously was featured in Spider-Man Homecoming as Uncle Aaron, but not really like much of a criminal. Obviously, he was doing some no. stuff and, and but not in the his hilarious criminal glory. Yeah, he's trying to be kidding. interrogated, you know. But he's like in a Prowler suit, so. I don't know if this was just for the fans that they were like, oh, he got to be that character. Maybe we wanted to, you know, tease that maybe maybe in live action we get him as Prowler at some point. I don't know. Honestly, the way they did Prowler in that first film, you can't ever, you know, no live action will ever outdo what they did in that first film. It just looks so badass. But we get to meet Miguel O'Hara properly. And yeah, this dude is intense. This dude is crazy. And again, because he is kind of part vampire, we're not really sure yet of all that. I'm sure that'll be explained more. He just has a code, and he, he really sticks to this idea that, you know, if there's an anomaly, that's why he created the Spider Society, so that they can go and take care of any anomalies, which right now, Spot is, you know, a big one. And again, this idea that it's not for you to, you know, switch or something. Like, he, he found a dimension where he was a dad, and he was happy and he thought he could just switch that body. And then you see how like that dimension fully gets like destroyed. One of our big dark moments. Very <laughs> this, dark. Yeah. I was really like, this took a turn. <laughs> so they start to have these kind of cool vision boxes pop up where it's like in every Spider-Man story, there's, there's supposed to be this, this case where that's, you know, that's the turn where it's where usually the death leads to, and a it was kind of cool. A canon was, event, which was a nice little nod. It's canon, which I thought it's that was canon. Smart. And uh, obviously, we get Peter B. Parker back in here with yeah his his baby, and we see these images of all these different Spider Men, you know, either with Uncle Ben or whatever the situation may be, and Miles, you know, being told that a captain has to go, realizing that my dad's about to be captain. And he's yeah, like, ooh. and Miguel's like, well, that's what's supposed to happen. And the the kind of dark thing that for me, I was like, oh wow, was that all of his friends knew and didn't uh-huh. tell him. Yeah, they he knew feels, that feel, feels betrayed. And the other real anomaly is that, technically speaking, and this was a great like little like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. The spider that bit Miles was not from his dimension. Yeah, it was supposed to bite someone on a different dimension, which is kind of interesting reference because it's 
if you look back to the first one, that spider looked really out of place mm-hmm. in that universe before there was dimension. I was like, okay. And then when we, you know, later go to that said universe, you're like, oh, okay. The, the animation style is the same, but not. It's a little different. And uh, they're like, yeah, you have to let your dad die. And he's like, you just want me to, to he's like, it's your dad dying versus trillions of people. You know, Miguel is very much, he's like, I don't care who it is. This is what we're, we stand for. And all of his, all of his friends are kind of like having to kind of agree with their leader of what this is supposed to be. And Miles is just like getting so frustrated. And Miles, you know, has this electric power. Well, he's able to get out of some cool traps. Yeah. Miguel has this kind of trap device where like it kind of sucks you in like this little vortex and you can't get out like a little prison cell and he busts out and he looks at everyone for a second. He's like, I'm out. (laughs) And he, we go into what is the, this is the scene of the movie. This was, you know, if you were to give like what scene is worth the ticket price alone, (laughs) although the whole movie is. Yeah. This Spider-Man chase through this planet was like my jaw hit the floor. It was (laughs) so riveting to watch so much fun. Because there's, you know, first they do that bit of Miguel going, get Spider-Man. And everyone does the pointing. And, you know, obviously the funny bit of just three people, this is like thousands of Spider-Man all pointing at each other. And they're like, no, he's coming out of section four. And this one Spider-Man walks out and he's like, just up on my face. And he turns around. We see Miguel in the background chasing. And Miles is like clutched onto his back. And he's like, <laughs> so Miguel has to get through. I mean, Miles has to go through this whole chase scene and he's trying to escape and I mean, it was like swinging, action, fighting. At one point, it was like a bullet train, and all these spider people are chasing him. And obviously, Miles doesn't want to lose his dad, and especially because where he left off with his dad was not in a great place. So this chase scene was brilliant, and eventually he does kind of get the better hand of Miguel and escapes. But we do have a moment where... uh. Margot Kess, who is a spider bite, does kind of lets him leave the dimension. She sees something in him that needs to go. So he goes back to home and we have this great scene where, you know, he's the mom's been like, you know, if you need to tell me anything, you can tell me. And he's like, he's like, you know, I'm not scared anymore. I'm going to tell you, mom, I'm Spider-Man. And she's like, who's Spider-Man? He's like, you know, Spider-Man, she's like, is this one of your Comic-Con things? <laughs> Which I, at first and, I thought, oh, that's kind of funny because, you know, maybe she's not with it, you know, like. I'll that was my first mom. thought was like, oh, she just doesn't even know who's, Sp- like, she isn't. She, she doesn't watch the news, can. really. Yeah. She- <laughs> and we start to get this creepy feeling of like, like on the back of my neck, I was starting to be like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Come to find out Uncle Aaron walks in and the dad is nowhere around. And you're like, Uncle Aaron? And he's and I love this detail. He goes, Miles, did you uh, pull your dreads out? He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm just getting used to them. They're still fresh. So he's like, come with me. Um, and all of a sudden, he's on the roof. And we see a prowler yeah. out of nowhere smack him and knock him out. And he realizes that not only does this world not have a Spider-Man because this is the world that he took a Spider-Man from because he was bit on his world. Yep. But it was a twist that we all knew was coming. I mean, the moment that I realized that 
another person was Prowler and it wasn't, you know, obviously Uncle Aaron in the suit. This scene was a brilliant setup for part three. Yeah. That we have the Miles Morales from this world is the Prowler. And he's he's an intense looking <laughs> motherfucker. You know, it's like when they took the mask exactly. off, he was like, he's like, oh, Miles Morales, huh? And it's like, we got to go back and save my dad. And he's like, save your dad, not my dad. Like that was that yeah, was very cold. Tense. Like, okay, this is like, is it because the spider didn't bite him, and you know he turned to a life of crime because of Uncle Aaron? Or it's yeah, it's an interesting, interesting twist. And and like, okay, wow, yeah. There's a detail from the first film where okay, there's a moment where he has spider sense, Miles Morales, and it's all purple and green, and because he sees the Chris Pine Peter Parker, it turns from green and purple to red and blue to spider-man colors yeah. so they were already hint like they must have known their, their they had tra- the, so they had this trajectory, trajectory they must have this you know obviously this is you know heavily uh phil lord and christopher miller um they must have had this all kind of planned out from the get-go but it's a great way to leave miles off he's obviously in peril he's tied to like a a punching bag and, and that's a reference got... to the first one where he captured the first peter parker so yeah, yeah. um but Gwen is, uh, you know, Miguel is trying to hunt down where Miles Morales is. And we got Spot, who is now becoming like ultimate form. Uber villain coming in here. Yeah. Mega villain. And I like the detail, too, that it's like he's doing all this to get the better hand of Miles Morales. Like in a way, he created Spot to be this maniacal, crazy villain because he wants to prove that he is worthy of being a mega villain. So Gwen's getting a dream team together. We get, you know our friends that kind of joined the journey from this film and our crew are back from the first film, which that was a big topic was, I remember they announced like Nick Cage was not coming back to play uh, noir in this one, but it all makes sense now is they were keeping majority of them for part three. Yeah. Cause we have all these, all these we have all these new characters. We want to give them enough screen time because that's the problem. When you introduce them, you don't flesh them out sometimes. And I love the characters they had in this film. So <laughs> yeah, really. So it was a great ending. I love it. it was like this dramatic fanfare of like, and it was like to be continued. Yeah. No post credit scene either. So they literally were like, that is part. That is that is the second film. Yeah. And I do agree. When I've I've read some reviews that people compare this to like The Empire Strikes Back, it is bigger, crazier, darker, darker. Yes. Um. And it was two hours and twenty minutes. Didn't feel like it. It does fly by. And oh, it's and, an adrenaline packed. And fun journey. fun fact about that: this is with one hundred and forty minutes. This is the longest recorded animation in history of American studios. That's crazy. So it just it's the longest one of animation. And I'm like, you're right. It, you watch this and you're like, wait, that was over two hours. What the? <laughs> it flies by, and it just leaves you hanging. And you're like, damn it! Now we got to wait till March. So we have Dawn the Spider-Verse coming out in March of next year, March 29th. Uh, um, and there's already a, a spinoff that is you know being developed. So, you know, this this the first film did okay, you know, at the time. It was definitely one that I think people kind of caught on to. The this one opened like five times the opening of the first one. So this one's doing very well, and people are really loving it. And we loved it very, very much. And it's one that I want to go back and see again and again and again. Because again, apart from this, the main story, there's so much Easter eggs. There's so many different tons, characters. Tons. 
Um, and it was kind of cool with the with the world of the earth that he's on now, where there is no Spider-Man, you do hear like a police scanner that's like the, the Sinister Six have uh you know taken over another part of the so that's another thing too is Miles could have a whole Sinister Six to deal with on top of Prowler. Yeah. So I would love for you know if if obviously we're still have to deal with Miguel and yeah, maybe we'll spy- learn a little bit more about yeah, the spider why versus he's so- spider people, yeah. Because that was it was interesting that the first film is is such a a villain heavy you know obviously you have different Spider Man but it was I mean you had Kingpin you had Prowler Mister Zero or Scorpion, something like that. Scorpion had, yeah. so many yeah this one and obviously we had a we had Lady Doc Ock with Doc Ock's yeah, uh, yeah. daughter and yeah it was great <laughs> this one really was was all Spider People minus we had that Vulture fight and Spot so I do wonder what other villains might pop up in part three. Um, they did kind of, I mean, obviously we had the live action moment, but they teased Venom, like an animated Venom in one of the trailers and yeah. that didn't actually end up happening. So no. I wonder if that's, that's going to maybe save for part three. I mean, that would be kind of cool to see two the symbiotes show up. Um, and I mean, even though there was just, it was just footage of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, the big question has been, would Tom Holland show up in this? Would there be a scene? And would would there be an ultimate scene where Miles does go into a live action dimension and is live action? You know? Oh, like a cool like and then this is the announcement for Miles Morales. Or that or they just go to a dimension where that that dimension is live action and he meets a live action Miles Morales. So yeah. The possibilities are quite endless with this kind of animated style. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh yeah, this movie was just awesome. <laughs> top notch seriously like i'd say probably honestly i know we're only we're about to be halfway through the year and i'm thinking of like what movies have come out so far for the year um this is probably one of the best ones so far i mean we both really liked guardians but there hasn't been too much to me that's been this good a quality uh continuing as a sequel so this might this might take the cake so far oh, 100% uh, yeah fall but, I would say from a standpoint of you have the creative side, animation style, the the way it's filmed, the way it's shot, gorgeous, amazing, leaves you on the edge of your seat. The story is fascinating and brilliant and keeps you just invested and once you know leaves you wanting more. And another big thing that we love about these films, the music. Yeah. The score is amazing, but then you have these implemented songs. Fantastic uh, album. You know, are just so great. This was just top notch. I got to give it a 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> oh, I and love it. I, I really loved it. Honestly, yeah. 9.5 out of 10 for all those reasons uh, and more. I just, oh man, just when you think that, you know, you can't really improve upon not only just to, as a sequel, but to even take animation and a whole genre to another level. It's yeah. So 9.5 out of 10 loved it. Hope you all enjoyed it as well. Of course, you can go back and see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse in theaters. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. 
Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.